Hi, everybody, and welcome to PFG Live. I have good news and bad news. The bad news is we experienced some serious technical difficulties during our live stream, but I don't think you're going to notice it. Everything was patched up, and it came across perfectly. The good news is, is that we were unexpectedly joined by Robin Renzetti, and we go into a deep dive in which Robin showed us some drawings, and we looked at some photographs, which is going to be really hard to see on your podcast. So, if you enjoy the podcast, I strongly recommend going over to the YouTube channel and watching the video when you get a chance for maximum effect. And don't forget to subscribe while you're there. Thanks. And here's the PFG Live. Good morning and happy Sunday. This is PFG Live. Uh, this, is, this is not an offer, which can only be made by formal prospectus. This is that Sunday morning thing where we get together and talk about machining and precision and making and generally being nerds. Uh, speaking of which, Carl says it's 64 degrees and sunny in Rhode Island. New York machinist checking in with 50 degrees and overcast in Corning, New York, looking in his mirror. Widget works. Good day to you, sir. Two degrees science, 88% relative humidity. Foggy makes sense in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. We have, uh, let's see. Well, DBX is checking in from White Plains. White Plains reporting at 1756 Zulu, winds 320 at 07 knots, visibility 10 miles, clouds are scattered at 9,000, temperature 172.03, altimeter 2998, and the remarks are unimportant. Evils is checking in 20 degrees science and 57% relative humidity at his desk in Ghent, Belgium. Tuck is checking in 50 degrees Fahrenheit and clear skies. Feels a little brisk, though, in Buffalo, New York. K-Bonk is here. 68 and sunny scent of cowboy blood in the Philadelphia. Robert Simpson is here reporting. Clear and sunny, 51 degrees from north of Detroit. But is it north enough? Paul Morley is here. He says, howdy from Texas, 79 degrees and still basking in the afterglow of a Texas Rangers World Series championship. Good, good work. Good work down there, buddy. Send some barbecue up my way, would you please? Welcome and good morning. Oh, wow. Inspiration uh, Machining has showed up. Tom uh, Zalikman, sunny and 72 in Angier, North Carolina. Welcome. Nice to see you. So we have uh, we have a bunch of stuff. You know, the way the way this show works. <laughs> Robert Simpson says, "Not north enough from Detroit to lower my car insurance rates." <laughs> well, hang in there. Um, okay, so here it is. It's like Thursday night, Friday. I'm thinking, what are we going to talk about? on Sunday, I had no plan, uh, no weapons, no backup. And, uh, here we are with like too much to talk about me and my CNC. Welcome, sir. I don't think we've uh, heard from you before. Long time. First time. He says, Orion, Illinois, 
beautiful 61 degrees Fahrenheit, 41 degrees Fahrenheit dew point. In other words, that's a 41 dew point. Yeah, nice. 46% relative humidity. You get extra credit for, for the first one to report dew point. Nicely done. So right here in Wyndham, New Hampshire, just so that you guys know, it's 58, 58, 58 degrees Fahrenheit, 58% degrees relative humidity. Awesome. So let's see. I am watching Discord and uh, we do have a guest today. Uh, we need, uh, okay, good. Tuck and Robin are talking in Discord. We're going to get Robin in here. Robin Renzetti is joining us today. Uh, and for which I, in advance, thank him because he wasn't going to be able to make it. And we, uh, we riled him up last week. So he has much to say. So we'll bring him in and, uh, Tuck, if you can get his video working, that would be cool. Um, let's see. Oh, I got to give you the Manchester, New Hampshire airport report, which is on your screen. It's, uh, Windsor three zero zero at three knots visibility, 10 miles. Sky is broken at 6,500. Temperature 14, 2.03. Altimeter 29907. And the remarks are unimportant. So there you go. It is a gorgeous, gorgeous fall day here in New Hampshire. The leaves are at about 60%, uh, 40% of the leaves are on the ground. Um, and, uh, you know, just a, just a beautiful day. Uh, it was a, a weird week. Uh, for me, it was a, a week of a lot of client work. Um, so I didn't have a lot of play time in the shop, but we, uh, we got a few things done. We got some six inch PFG stones out. Uh, Tom says he had a switch to the YouTube stream. That's cool. We'll take you any way we can get you, sir. Um, so the, yeah, this show is brought to you by PFG stones com who remind you that if you're not flat where are you at so we had a really uh, interesting event happen yesterday yesterday i think um yeah it was yesterday it's hard to hard to keep a track I, I i had to sit down in my chair and just chill out and uh watch some youtube and get caught up on things I, I opened up Discord and it suddenly turned into a 3D printing collaboration. So we had um, we had uh, Unix Carbide on there. Oh, speak of the devil! I didn't even plan that. Unix Carbide. If you look on your screen, you will note that he is currently at the New York City Marathon. He is cheering on uh, a friend of his that's running in the marathon. And he lives on the marathon route. So you are seeing a picture that was taken seconds ago um, on the New York City marathon route. So good luck to your buddy. And uh, give us a report. We need a weather report from from Brooklyn, sir. <laughs> we don't, Not just a picture. We need to know. But I could see uh, broken, uh, broken skies, blue cloud. The... <laughs> The marathon is at Unix Carbide. Anyway, so that's what's going on. That's why we don't have Unix uh, live with us in the um, in the chat today because he's at the uh, at the marathon outside enjoying the weather. Beautiful. So I was sitting in my chair 
trying to chill out yesterday. I had all sorts of vast plans of going in the shop and doing a bunch of work, but I, I needed to just chill. So uh, Unix shows up on Discord. Um, uh, Hans shows up on Discord. Evils shows up on Discord. And we start talking 3D printing. And the result of which was actually quite useful. Um, oh, hang on. Uh, we have uh, this just in. We're going to bring in a, a guest real fast. Unix Carbide live. Unix Carbide, hello. New York City, hello. No no audio. Oh, wait. It's my fault. Hang on. You're live. Yeah. Go ahead, sir. All right. I can barely hear you. If I put the phone to my face, I can hear you. Uh, the New York City Marathon is running. I'm on my way to my shop so that I'm, I, I catch the later half of this live. But here there's a bunch of really important content today, critical stuff that we all need to know. Uh, no, uh, uh, well, that is awesome. Oh, yeah, that, I can't hear anything. Sorry, guys. Well, it, it's awesome that you were able to get us a little bit of live footage from the New York City Marathon. Did, did you get a chance to see your friend? Yeah. Well, we see you, sir, and that's the important thing. Give him a thumbs up. We see you. This is this is cool. So I'll I'll just I'll narrate. This this is New York City. Uh, let's see. Somebody is live. Oh, that's Robin. Hi, Robin. I'm gonna mute you for a second here. Just hang on. We'll be back to you. Who else is making noise? So this is New York City. Uh, this is the marathon route. And by definition, oh, we lost them. We lost Unix Carbide. Okay. Oh, he's back. He's back. All right. I'm going to be able to hear you now. Okay. So did your friend, uh, did you hook up with your friend who's running? We were, oh, we, man, that went robot. Did you hook up with your friend that's running the marathon? Yes. Yes. Target was acquired. Yes. Was given a, a plastic champagne flute full of Gatorade on Outst cue. Outstanding. So uh, yes. Unix told me yesterday that they they made a uh, they made a drink for his buddy who's running the marathon that looked like a uh, like a not a martini but a, what would you call it? Yeah, it was a, he drinks Manhattan. Manhattan. Usually when we're out. Yeah. And, so and they, but it, we couldn't get something dark enough that wasn't like nah that might be bad if you're running like. So it's just Gatorade. Gatorade. Gator, it, it was Gatorade. So so give us a panoramic of where you are right now. Oh, right now. This is, uh, let me see. Manhattan's over this way. I'm walking down the hill to my flood-prone studio. The, the marathon's happening over there. Uh, Got it. That's Bedford Avenue in Williamsburg. Uh, <laughs> this is at about mile marker 11 for the marathon yep. of the 26 point. Something, something, I, you know. Two, 26.2. You know, metric in America, whatever. <laughs> the, uh, the the marathon length. It's a standard unit of length, the New York City Marathon. One one marathon. Which, extra credit, extra credit for anybody in the chat who knows what the length of a marathon is based on. Does anybody know that? <laughs> okay. So uh, we'll leave that hanging. Meanwhile, uh, I the amount of the amount of uh, the distance that a horse can run 
at full speed before it dies? No, incorrect. Nice guess okay. though. Okay. Good guess. I'll yeah. give it. An, I'll give it another ten or ten seconds while I have a sip of uh, of PFGT. You're making me hungry. Uh, walking around in that particular neighborhood uh, for a bagel. Oh yeah, there are there are some like two blocks over that way, but so they're just they're, it's not even worth walking in there today. Any, anything within two blocks of the race is just like a line a mile long. Everybody crazy, bagels on the floor. So uh, Tom Zalickman uh, is close. He said uh, it was the the messenger ran, not a horse. So yes, a messenger ran. Let's see. Somebody else guessed. Um, yeah, that's too modern a guess. So it was allegedly the distance between uh, Athens and Rome, I believe. Uh, somebody can correct me on that. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Which makes a little okay. more sense. Somebody... And besides, it sounds a lot more romantic. Ro romantic? Did we get, yeah. did we get that? Yeah, no, that's... That's that's very that that makes it sound like it has a meaning or a purpose that that makes you want to get up on a Sunday and run it. It's better than saying it's the distance between it, the distance between the battery and Bensonhurst. I mean that doesn't sound quite as romantic. Yeah, oh, Tom yeah, says yeah. no. That's too far. Okay. Well, we have some homework to do, don't we? Um, yeah, definitely. But there you go. Definitely. But we, we need I'm a calibration. I'm going to just a minute. I'm I'm about to go into the secret entrance to the the totally not so secret place where I work on the waterfront here, and I'll okay. lose you. I'll see you in a bit. Well, we'll see you later. I'm gonna go back. Enjoy the marathon. I hope nobody in the here is running. It looks awful. <laughs> okay. A, we'll see you soon, sir. Well, that was uh, live from the New York City Marathon. Unix Carbide reporting in uh, in Williamsburg, New York. So thanks for that. Um, so there we were on discord last night in the chair and, um, Unix carbide was calibrating his Delta 3d printer. So a Delta 3d printer has three arms and the length of the three arms controls the position of the head. And he was doing, uh, a resonance analysis and uh, doing what they call input shaping and tuning it up. And this was quite interesting. So it attracted uh, three nerds, <laughs> uh, me and Hans and Evils. And then uh, up came the topic of printing a test article. And traditionally in 3D printing, the test article has been the Benchy. Uh, but Unix Carbide said, no, 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 no. The Benchy is, is so like, two years ago and now the new test target is called kiki so here's kiki kiki is a cute little a cute little print it takes five grams of of filament not much and you can see that it has it has uh, uh interiors overhangs um all sorts of cool stuff 45 degree angles on the bottom 45 degree angles on the top uh, it's a cool shape. They stack, there's curves on the, on the corners. There's sharp, there's sharp parts on the corners. So all in one, you get this pretty neat thing. And, it, and after you print 12 million of these things, uh, they, they kind of stack and you can give them to a, to a kid who likes to build stuff. 
So that's Kiki. So all of a sudden we had this group of folks, uh, I, I, I immediately printed a Kiki and so did, uh, Hans. And that was the picture we just saw in the, uh, on the screen. Let's see if I could bring it back up. Yeah. So if you look really close, you'll see Hans with his Kiki that he just printed Unix carbide. And of course mine, and uh, it was printed without getting out of my chair, which was the cool thing. <laughs> I was able to print it on the bamboo without getting out of my chair. Thank you, Tuck. <laughs> oh, by the way, did I did I get flat lapper? Flat lapper reported 58 degrees and partly cloudy in northern Illinois. Welcome aboard, sir. K I K I. It's uh, it's in the thumbnail and in in the uh, in the picture right right there. K-I-K-I. If you search for it on print, uh, printables, it'll it'll be the first thing it offers you uh, with that spelling. It's real super simple and a really nice test print and a breath of fresh air after printing 647,922 benchies. So uh, give it a shot. Um, so that was fun, but that illustrated the collaboration power of Discord, of the internet in general. And uh, it helped us, you know, push the 3D printing ball up the hill. Uh, let's see. Everybody's questions answered? Yes. So I think, uh, I think right now we're going to jump into um, linear rails because we have a guest today. Uh, last week, you may recall uh, discussing linear rails and modifying, improving cheapo linear rails for use in the building of 3d printers and we started talking about uh fixing up the grooves that were screwed up oh wait this just in widget works has information widget works says that the it was from the battle of marathon which took place in august or september 490 bc it was said that the messenger ran the entire distance to Athens without stopping from the battle. Source, Wikipedia. So it's marathon to Athens was what the 26.2 miles is based on. This is important for you to know because there will be a quiz. So without further uh, delay, although I am pretty good at it, you have to admit, Let's bring in our guest today, which is none other, none other than Mr. Robin Renzetti. Welcome, sir. Good morning. Happy Sunday. Same to you. We, we didn't think we'd, we'd get you here today. Um, I wasn't I sure if I was going to make it. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't advertise you, and I'm glad you were able to make it. So uh, Probably a good thing. <laughs> but before we start, we, we require, as you know, we require a weather report from uh, your location. It's beautiful and sunny out. That's all better. we need. <laughs> yep. That's that's as much detail as we require. Um, so last week we were talking about uh, this idea of improving these twelve dollar linear rails for uh, Mister Unix Carbide, who is building three D printers, and. The proposed method was to take a pin of the correct size and give it a dead flat nose and then run it down the groove to effectively cut off 
um, any protrusions and restore the otherwise damaged rail back to adequateness for 3D printers. And you brought up in the chat some interesting things. Um, <laughs> Unix Carbide says, uh, I was shocked to see Robin pass us earlier in the marathon. You know, the fact, the fact that you picked up the pace so much just to make it home in time was pretty impressive. <laughs> so, so we talked and, and I apologize. Uh, we don't have the, uh, the chats visible in this particular view here, but you guys are just going to have to, you know, suck it. Um, so we talked about the method proposed and we talked about somebody brought up lapping using a pin. We brought up the fact that lapping could be problematic because the pin is harder than the rail. Uh, then the, then burnishing came up and we talked about using a pin for burnishing and I suggested, you know, rounding or beveling the, the nose of it. You said you don't have to just don't push down on the ends and let, let, let the pin do its thing. So those were all, that was the conversation from last week. I just want to bring everybody up to speed. Um, and before we dive into it, a, a linear rail is basically a roughly rectangular cross-section rail. And it has two grooves on the sides in which ball bearings, uh, can run. And generally the, what do you call it? The, the truck, is it called a truck? The, the yes. truck that rides on the bearing, uh, recirculates its, its balls, uh, through a circuitous path. And that's what makes it nice and smooth and, and wonderful. Now, having said that, there's like a bunch of science behind, <laughs> behind linear rails, and I'm sure we'll get into some of it. So, uh, what did we get wrong? How much time do we have? Uh, as much as you want. I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. I don't want to, if you had other things to do today, I would try to do a real condensed, condensed version. But if this is like linear rail bearing tribology nerd fest, then, um, uh, I just want to know how, okay. So I, let's I kind of have how I'd like to cover it to give some background, uh, yep. that would probably help. So, but yep. I don't want to take over the, sh the show if you have other things you're doing. Well, let's, let's say, uh, a half, a half an hour is absolutely fine. Okay. So okay. we, we well, can do the half an hour. Yeah. You can always just cut me off. <laughs> no, I would never do that. The only other topic um, I, I, okay. So the, let me give you the, the game plan. So the only other topic I really want to cover is, um, surface grinding tools. Like when you're standing in front of your surface grinder, what are the tools that your right hand and left hand are are reaching, but that's the that's a separate topic. So now you at least see where I want to go with this and, okay. and we'll take questions from the chat. I am watching the chat. Um, I'm going to briefly switch views just to show, um, a picture that Unix carbide just put up in the chat. There's a picture of a linear rail with a truck and a uh, little bowl for catching all the ball bearings you're about to lose because you're screwing around with it. Nicely done. We have a half an hour to talk about linear okay. rails. So you're, take it away. So if you scroll back to the picture of the um, linear rail with a truck, 
that Unix Carbide posted, you'll notice that it only has two ball tracks. There's one on each side of the rail. Yep. It only has two ball tracks. That means that it has a Gothic Arch race. Okay. Because so without you... a Gothic Arch race, it will not be moment stiff. It will be floppy in its in its moment stiffness. When I say moment stiffness, I'm talking about rotating rotational moment around the ax linear axis of the rail. There's two other moment uh, rotations that you can have. But so, um, I, so I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay, I, I just want to I want to make sure I understand this. So, um, the the Gothic Arch. Oh, okay. I think I'm starting to see it. So the got the Gothic Arch race. Ha, there it is. Da da. Point with your right, finger. The Gothic Arch. Gothic Arch, right there. Okay. The horizontal line is the axis of rotation of the ball, and it's okay. a Gothic Arch because those two the two radio eye on the upper. Uh, raceway and the two radio on the let's say the truck on the bottom those are radii that are larger by the ball typically in the 52 to 54 percent larger diameter or radius however you want to call it um such that when you bring those two things together you get preload meaning that there's uh, both um vertical if you want to look at this uh, the, the picture i'm showing there's both vertical stiffness and rotational stiff uh, lateral stiffness of that particular raceway so if you put down pressure on it it will not skid sideways it actually has a fixed location that's reasonably stable gotcha now, now that that's why i say it has to be a gothic arch because if you take i'm going the right way here uh if you take this this uh well it's backwards here there if you take this version here okay that's a that's just a round race with the um ball in it and if you put another race just like that on the other side you'll notice that vertically you've got stiffness but laterally the ball just wants to roll over and pick the uh, the easiest path and that will have no lateral stiffness ah. so if you did that on a rail the rail would be floppy it would be it would have moment stiffness rotationally the flat spin and vertical spin of the of the um truck would be okay but the rotational meaning if you're trying to spin it around the shaft as if or the rail as if the rail were round trying to rotate it in that direction that moment stiffness would be mush and it would be very easy to exceed the load capacity of the balls putting a moment load on it because it's climbing up the race and, and starting to crush, crush things. So, uh, so a quick question here, if uh, the reason they use a Gothic arch and, and the Gothic arch is basically two, two, large, radii. two, two larger radii that are, yep. that are meeting at a point. Uh, yep. and then the contact between the ball and the, and the race is, um, how do we say it? It's it's closer in radii than if that contact right. was flat. Uh, yes. So that that you, means it. You get a. You, if you look you, at that. Go ahead. If you look at that picture with the with the um, X on it, if I can do this and not drive. Oh boy, this is hard. Basically, <laughs> it the the radii. See the X that is the con where the balls contact. Yep. That X 
the the lines where the where the uh, line runs through the contact point of the ball if it has zero preload at all, no deformation occurring. Now, those radii, the arc centers of those radii exist on those same lines. They're just displaced off the center of the ball in each of the four quadrants, and that's how you can easily design one. So th this is this is effective, but the fact that that there are there are linear rails that do not they have more than two races, and those use a different approach where the the preload becomes between the rail between the raceways on each side, not this situation. So if it only has two rails, if it only has two tracks, it's got to be Gothic arch. If it's Gothic arch, that means when you put a a pin in there ball size or whatever you're now messing with things and one of the problems is that the especially with very small rails the amount of preload in those things is very small the smaller the ball gets the smaller that preload tolerance gets and um you can lap that and have zero they have very, most of them have very light preload to begin with unless you're buying rails with a specific amount so they've got very, very light preload. So you can end up with a rail that now has play if you try to lap it because there's, especially when your balls are only one and a half millimeter balls or something, man, the, the preload amount on those is very, very tiny. So you take two or three tenths off, it's not preloaded anymore. It's gone. Now, it'll still roll, um, but uh, this is a, actually a good point to talk about. Um, a, a rolling contact so you understand why people why the, they're designed that way a ball on a plane in theory is perfect rolling contact well that's only true if the ball if you're in a, if you're in zero gravity and um <laughs> seriously and yeah. the, and the ball is touching because as soon as there's any loads even the gravity just gravitational force of the ball you now have a contact patch and you have Hertzian contact um, situations where you start to form a dent, temporary dent in the in the raceway or the plate that you're moving on, and the ball is temporarily deforming. You have a question? Well, I just I have an amplification because you're going you're screaming along here. Uh, so a ball on, for example, a plane has point contact. And in any, uh, in a theoretical situation, that's fine. We could say it has point contact and then go out to lunch. But in a real situation, it is, it must deform the plane from any force from the ball yes. because there's no such thing as point contact. Yeah. Even, even a diamond ball on a diamond plane. Just to, just to, because very extremely small numbers, but basically just learn to think of everything as mush and because that uh, that allows you to see everything even if you can it's good to know the mush is there even if you say well it's it's insignificant i can ignore it but realizing that no that point that point contact doesn't exist so let, let's all say it together everything is rubber or and i didn't or, i didn't invent that <laughs> you didn't invent that or i like to say everything is pasta because sometimes it, <laughs> because sometimes it cracks and and now we're up to mush because at that yeah. le, at, at that scale <laughs> right uh okay yeah. 
So I think we're now, I think we we got it uh, as far as the the ball sitting on a plane right. mu- must deform the plane. Right. Right. Now now let's put a ball that let's just talk linear for now. Let's put a ball in a in a round groove, and the round groove is a little bit is bigger than the ball, so that we get the contact in that one picture I had where you just have in theory. Uh, let's see if I can do this. The this one up here, this one, yep. you've got a theoretical point contact. Well, same thing happens here. As soon as you have a, a ball with any loading on it whatsoever, you start to get a reasonably elliptical contact patch. And as soon as you have a contact patch, you have something called Heathcote slip. And to in order to um, in order to picture that. Uh, a powerful tool is going to extremes, going to extremes. And I'm saying, okay, in order to, for me to describe that, I'm going to say the ball and the groove are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes it very easy to perceive that when that ball rolls, there is dead slip at the sides here. It's just dragging along at the center there. There's no rolling motion going on whatsoever. It's pure skidding. Ah, that is true. So, I never thought of that. Right. Yeah. So no matter how light the loading or whatever, or even when the when the raceways are are done properly, even in a ball bearing, there is an elliptical contact patch, and Heathcote slip occurs in that because there are multiple different velocities, contact velocities going on at the point of contact. So there's actually skidding going on. Everywhere except one particular point on the ball, where one place is skidding one direction, and the other place is skidding the other. Every every revolution, or, or so every let, time the ball rolls. Let's stop there for a second. So let's just absorb this because the uh, the the innocent naive picture was that ball rolling in a same sized groove was wonderful, and now we realize it's not wonderful. <laughs> because it's not actually rolling it's only rolling on the line which is the bottom of the ball uh it, it's it's rubbing varying on the sides degrees of, the of right varying degrees of scrub up to 100 percent on the sides meaning the sides are yeah 100 scrub no Absolutely. rolling okay. action going on whatsoever okay. has everybody got that so, because this is huge okay uh we have a question so, uh heathcote slip there goes my okay so evil says there goes my rolling versus slipping burnishing question there you go uh <laughs> slozuki says and welcome because i don't think i recognize your name welcome to the server from what i understand roller oh, yeah, ways awesome. roller ways are better than ball ways for that reason correct question mark or compare um, there go, so yeah, roll, um, roll, roller, roll, let me see if I can restate his question. If you're on a plane and now we have a roller, right? Like a salami and it's rolling and it's, it has a line contact and it is devoid of the scrubbing problem. Is it not? Um, to a much better degree. Because as soon as you still have the contact patch, you have several things going on. The rollers will have crowned ends where the roller is round uh, for the majority of its length, but then the round, the ends are purposefully rolled off 
such that you don't get sharp edge loading from when the, the rails aren't perfectly aligned, when somebody bolts on a plate and it racks the, the truck a little bit, that the edge loading conditions on the very edge of the roller are minimized. So because of that, there is minor Heathcote slip occurring at the very, where those things change shape. But yes, rollers are immensely better than that. And then one step above that is um, in these type of roller trucks, when they go to needle size rollers instead of the larger rollers, now you start to get a much more elastic averaging of the irregularities in the rollers. So they get smoother and smoother in how well they track and don't have basically roller roundness rumble in the, the straightness of travel. I understand DBX says that he, he played in everything is mush back in 82. <laughs> and, uh, just uh, one point. Yeah, go ahead. The, the one point, the, the Slozuki, the, um, uh, if you scroll to his, um, pictures in there, that's an example now of where you've got four tracks and those things are preloaded within the tracks. So that's, that's a, that particular ball weight that he's showing. That's one where there's now four races. So now those races are a radius. So if you wanted to, and you could do it without ruining the preload, you could use a round pin to fix things in those without messing up the whole situation. Now, I believe that the, ra the rail that uh, Unix Carbide showed us was also, if you look closely in, let's see if I could show my, it doesn't show my cursor, but if you look closely in that photo, it looks like that's also two races, top and bottom. Um, I'm not getting that. Can I, uh, oh, so no, yeah, two, two, two races, yes, opposed, two opposed tracks on the rail. So on there's only two, one on each side. No, it looks like I believe this one is top and bottom. Look at the same picture, the one with the green with green. Yeah, yep. Yeah, you see, there's a there's a uh, the the balls appear to be touching a a rail near the top. Oh, I'm sorry, I missed I missed saw that. Yeah, oh, but now yes. that I see it, yeah, I'm I'm picturing I'm not seeing, but you're right. When I see the balls there, no, you're absolutely correct. That is that is four tracks. So that is out that I was completely off there. I did not catch that. I was That's just okay. looking at the picture and it looked like the Gothic arch with the relief groove in the center. And it's not, it's the actual groove between the two races. So, so Unix, can you give us a closer, a tighter shot of the, uh, of that rail? More of an, more of an end view. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he'll come in with that. And another so, way of saying that is that if you go down and look at slow Zuki's, that is just a, an exact same version of what Unix is going to look like from the end where you've got four, Ball track, four ball tracks, and four uh, four recirculating paths. And this this uh, solves a problem because uh, it it can have a much smaller contact patch on top and a smaller contact patch on bottom, eliminating the scrubbing, minimizing it. Yes, I, there are. Yeah. There's no such thing as zero. I understand. Um, <laughs> Unix says for, uh, let's see. No. Okay, good. We're caught up. Um, very interesting. So, so the, the last, the last picture he just put up, that is a single track Gothic arch because the, the groove that you see there is separating the two goth, the two parts of the Gothic arch. 
So it's actually contacting, there's four actual raceways on that rail contacting two other, well, four other raceways in the truck. So that is the picture that I, when I showed the Gothic arch, yep. that end view that he's showing there, if that's what those are, that is a single rail situation. And if you run a pin down there, you're now cutting a smaller, if you use the, uh, doesn't matter what you use, you can't, you actually, unless you make, it is possible to actually make a lap that has the Gothic arch form, not fun, but doable um, to do those. But that's, that's way out there. I mean, that's crazy. Okay. Thing. So, so you, so you uh, Unix, so you, can you, can you confirm that there's one row of balls in that, in that particular race? That's, that is kind of what it looks like. Yep, he says one row of balls. So this is cool yep. because now we have two types to show. We have that. Yeah, two types, yeah. A single row of balls, and then up here, there's your uh, a dual row of balls. Yep. And and then this one, this one, it was, this, was this just a fooler, this picture here? Yeah, it's just an optical illusion there. Yeah, that's that, a, it, it's an, you convinced me. You convinced me that it was a different rail, but in seeing it, it's it's what I thought at first. So. I, I also have a bridge to sell, uh, <laughs> which Unix is standing right next to, probably. Um, Slozuki, who I learned is actually uh, WidgetWorks, for some reason he had to change accounts, says, what about round rods with multi-ball tracks trucks? Multi-ball track trucks. Yeah, yes, but there you have to, that now you have the problem of when you are uh, if you're just burnishing that's not shouldn't cause a problem because you're not going to necessarily remove material you're just looking for things poking out that are causing issues but if you're talking about lapping number one those those laps are going to go out of shape very quickly so not creating a mess there is very very difficult um gotcha so uh, yeah i would not suggest but but running uh, so yes round and actually um starting out with approximately 52 percent of what the ball size is as your rod size should give you pretty darn close that's kind of like the industry standard for having a raceway curvature that gives a reasonable elliptical patch that doesn't have an immense amount of heath coat slip fascinating i didn't know there was this much detail and i knew <laughs> who to call <laughs> uh <laughs> Let's see, Unix Carbide says the Brooklyn Bridge is going condos conversion, but he'll sell you the Williamsburg Bridge. DM me. <laughs> uh, what about the 59th Street Bridge? At least that comes with a song, right? Yeah. Which I will not sing. You're welcome. Uh, okay, so these guys are uh, 3D printing, uh, building 3D printers, right? So we're not doing, uh, uh, you know, we're not building what's it what's the electron microscope with the probe um not electron microscope is it electric uh no uh the electron no electron force oh, microscopy yeah. that's what it is yeah yeah this is not where they're not doing that so uh unix uh reported that he had taken um yeah afm that's it atomic force microscopy so uh Unix had taken a, a beveled PFG stone and kind of got rid of some some burrs using that. Of course, the bevel was not shaped to do that, but he was doing it anyway. 
and moving it around, and he got it to roll smoothly. So the guys that are doing 3D printers, they can kind of get away with with murder um, by doing this kind of stuff. So what would be a one idea that I came up with is making a like an epoxy mold of the rail, right? Which picks up whatever shape you know. It go to, go to a good spot on the rail make a mold, you, you know, spray a little mold release, put a little epoxy or whatever, and then take that and use that as, as perhaps a lap in the bad spot that has a burr. So now you're in, you're, uh, importing the same shape. Maybe that doesn't commit as much of a sin. The, um, lapping geometry, especially when it gets smaller and smaller like this, if this was a huge rail where the balls were six millimeter or something everything gets easier to do what you're talking about but it's so easy to mess up all the other geometry while you're doing this the straightness of the rail horizontal straightness vertical straightness all those things and i realize in a 3d printer it's it's not you know you're not uh all these things i'm saying are relative to just understanding what's occurring what what can happen when you're what you're trying to do this so in my mind, with these size rails, you're you're best off with burnishing. And one of the good things is with the um, Gothic arch rails is if you use a pin that is exactly the ball diameter to burnish, your chances of hurting anything or losing your preload are nil, which is pretty important. And you're going to get as good as is probably going to work um, on this. There's a whole other topic. Oh, go ahead. Well, I just want to I just want to capture what you just said, which is it's using a pin that's of the same diameter of the balls to cut burnish whatever is burnish doing, only. Burnish on, to burnish burnish I is would not, do, I would I, is doing the least amount of harm and making it usable in an application that is less critical like a 3D yep. printer. Did we capture right. that? Yep. And okay. uh, another good thing to consider there is um, it would be good to, when you're doing this burnishing, to use like a molybdenum disulfide or something because burnishing means high pressures, high sliding forces, and you don't want to gall the pin to the rail and then create a, a actual gall in the rail that all of a sudden renders it, you know, useless because now you've got the pin partially welded, you know, in spots and tears, tears pieces out. And we, we all know what gall looks like. So, uh, yeah. yes, we do. So, so, uh, a little bit of Molly, uh, and high pressure and a pin that's the same diameter as the ball. Right. And that's and, basically and high pressure, high pressure in maybe the middle third of the, of the, or, uh, half of the rail as your pressure zone make your your 3d printed gizmo that holds the end so that the pin can't skid out but it has no support so that when you put all this pressure on it just flexes up at the ends and gives you a nice you know canoe effect in in riding down the rail and this we would consider this <clears throat> first aid for some damage for a relatively low tolerance application uh, any application actually because you're you pretty much have eliminated the possibility of killing the rail 
you what you're doing can only put just the way that a pfg stone works it's the high unit pressures on the aspherides and the places for those aspherides to jump into in this case we're talking about the grind pattern which is 90 degrees to the rail grind pattern having enough top topography to act for those you know little things coming off so you're looking at that cylindrically ground uh cylindrically meaning round ground not it's probably centerless ground the pins but the pattern is like a cylindrical grind and giving you kind of a micro file micro burnish application right which answers a question that <laughs> popped up as soon as you said it which is evil says and you can't do this by rolling balls in there because they don't average out the error slash concentrate the force on the aspirites uh, or on the asper asperities. Um, but I think what you said just now is really you're using it as a file, uh, therefore rolling doesn't do the same job. Right, and, and actually files, files not the, the right name. It's a uh, PFG application where the um surface roughness of the pin that allows the spherides on the track that you're trying to remove having a place to go up in and be uh sheared off in you know similar mechanics there right but it can also be burnishing where it just literally um the pressures are high enough to exceed the elastic limit of the little metal particle in the metal place that's poking up and you smash it down in and into what whatever degree possible. <clears throat> so K-Bonk has a question. He says, would you burnish horizontal or vertical on a surface plate? Would you burnish horizontal or vertical on a surface plate? I am not sure of the question, K-Bonk. Me either. Let's, let's get a little clarification there. Um, Evils, <laughs> Evils gave it a technical name. He looked it up in a scientific journal. It's called smushing it down <laughs> which you know another another thing about linear rails is that um and and lubrication of it um there's three three zones of of lubrication there's boundary lubrication transition and then there's hydrodynamic so boundary lubrications means that the aspherities of the two surfaces are bumping into each other lubricants there but you're still actually touching metal to metal and all these little peaks are interacting and that's where your coefficient of friction comes from boundary lubrications where you're getting enough of, of velocity between the two surfaces that the the uh, the um, lubricant is starting to levitate the thing and now these particles these aren't actually touching anymore and full hydrodynamic is where the film gets strong enough and thick enough that those aspherides don't touch anymore. You are on a, a high pressure oil film that keeps them from touching. So if you're using a yeah. little molly to do your burnishing, you don't want a lot and you want high pressure. So that- Well, you actually I was, switch, I was switching gears to the actual operation of the rail with the balls. Oh, okay, yep. Yeah, I, I should have said that I'm, I'm switching gears now to talking about rails in, in use. In practical in, use. Uh, in, yeah, practical use. So now one of the problems comes in that with uh, linear rails do not like very small, very short, repetitive motions lubrication wise. 
So you can actually have a rail fret by having it do these little micro vibrations very fast and have it because <clears throat> the lubrication can't get to the um, the hydrodynamic state. It's all boundary lubrication. And then that's a situation where those rails are really unhappy because there's no lubrication being carried in. Once you're doing full movements, then the balls are getting, you know, freshly wiped because their cages and everything all carry, you know, lubricant. And uh, so that's what they're. So I'm actually surprised how well these things hold up. Of course, the loading is very light on yep. on these on these rails in the 3D printing application. But um, yeah, in general, linear rails do not like micro movements. And all the rail manufacturers will tell you that they're special greases that work better for that mode and, and all that. So. So, uh, widget work says like an air bearing. So an air bearing is a, is an example of, of using pressurized air to do the, the, the lubrication and preventing the, uh, uh, the, the parts from touching each other. Uh, Unix says Robin is right in practice printing as in 3d printing thrashes the rails in many small movements. So the load is light 150. 150 to 300 gram print head weights flying around. Uh, DBX asks, what about a square shape burnishing the flats in the arch? Uh, in the arch. Uh, square shape. So, I don't, it, I don't, I don't know about, there's no, it, in the race he showed, there are no functional flats uh, uh, on the bearing area those are right. all sections of, of radii they might be picturing those uh the v as if it was a v block where those are flat surfaces they're not they're an actual curved surface that uh like i showed in the in the picture okay um so dbx yep. there's there's no nothing is square in in the in the shape of that unless um, it's a roller unless it's a roller race type version right yeah. Um, then which, it would be a V block. Yeah. <laughs> excellent. Uh, widget work says I've seen mills with bad spots because of circular interpolation of small holes in production runs. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, that, so what, what, once yeah. a month you should, you should take your, your fixture and move it over on the table, you know, or now, once a week, depending. One of the, one of the things, uh, in, in tribology, basically, we talked about we've got these, these two surfaces. They all have a spherities because no matter how good the surface finish, there's there's the peaks and mountains, and you're trying to get those to where they're minimal and they don't interact with each other. But um, when you have steel balls and steel races, the problem is those spherities are happy to weld together because they're so small that the forces are there, and that the actual welding of those peaks in a micro nature is part of where friction comes from is that actual attachment and rip off and that really? type of thing of micro yeah and that's one of the theories of exactly what's going on in 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 i'm, I'm no i'm no expert on any of this i just am interested in it and have used it to apply we're, we're only here uh, we're to, only here to make money on the commercials so <laughs> that's that's why we're here uh, uh but, but one of, where I was going with that was silicon nitride is one of those things where, oh, all of a sudden silicon nitride 
can be very easily fit not very easily but finished to extremely good surface finishes and it has no affinity for steel so it, it cannot weld to those aspherities so that's why silicon nitride bearings can run dry sometimes if necessary because it has no affinity for the race now problem with that is that it is so much harder than the race material that now when you do your Hertzian contact stress situations the ball could care less I'm willing to Brunel that race uh, as much as you want because I'm so much harder and now the race is at a disadvantage remember go back to the beach ball on a foam mattress scenario okay and now when you take the beach ball and you make it a basketball all of a sudden it's not conforming squat to help the, the distribute the load on the mattress it's just poking a hole in that thing whereas the beach ball squirmed broadened the contact patch area decreased the stresses so uh, silicon nitride isn't magic because of that problem now if you use it on both sides well that's a whole nother story <laughs> and a whole lot more money but i just <laughs> yeah. want to get that in there that that what's going on there and like the the problems with that micro movement that could be minimized some if you use silicon nitride balls a whole lot more expensive but as long as it, they're sized such that the contact forces stay within the realm necessary to not cause permanent deformation brunelling then you can uh you can have a situation where that can be an improvement because the lubrication now is not actually necessary to keep it from welding fast so uh do you have a favorite text on tribology yes hold on a second okay and, and by the way oh he can't hear me now i was going to say he should go grab something to drink uh you're listening to pfg live and if you're just joining us uh this is the second part of a broken stream, which will be welded together. Uh, introduction to Tribology by uh, Bouchan, B-H-U-S-H-A-N. And that is available on your favorite bookseller. Actually, could you give us the ISBN number? <laughs> yep. And remember, you guys have probably heard me say it before. You, 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 you read these books. Um... Just read me the ISBN. I'll put it in the chat. Yeah, that'd be easier, wouldn't it? <laughs> That's too simple. Uh, 0-471-15893-3. And I'm sure there's newer versions of this. Okay. But, but that'll... But, yeah, the, the warning is here. Uh, when This is one of those books where you can't just glaze over the first equation and things you see i don't i can't do the calculus and this stuff i don't even pay attention to it we can read through and absorb a ton of stuff about what's going on about just underst <clears throat> understanding immensely more about surface finish uh kurtosis right in surface finish it's a real simple principle <laughs> um you can have a surface finish where this is what it looks like and the and the the, the areas you got all these peak sticking up or you could invert that and and have it where you've got all these flat plateaus and all these super deep sharp valleys same kurtosis to well this kurtosis shows you the difference between those two is something that will separate out the kurtosis number isn't the same it's the number that shows you oh one is these spikes poking up like this and the other one is this plateau that has all these little teeny slits in it where it's this, flat on top a whole different animal this sounds a lot like this is just an analogy 
uh, a grinding wheel with an open structure and a grinding wheel with a closed structure. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that, but uh, that, those two surfaces can have the same RA number is what it boils down to. Mm. So the RA tells you nothing about its bearing behavior, whereas kurtosis value analyzes that and says, okay, this one is, you know, spiky, and this one is flat with deep, just a few deep gullies in it. Are you trying to tell me so this I'm is just, complicated? Are you trying no, to say this, gonna, this, is a, this is no, a complex saying, topic? No, I'm saying that you, when you, you get this book, if you're the type who reads this, you know, just goes along and, and the first equation that comes up, you shut the book. You just got to slog through and say, okay, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what any of that means, but let me go to where something like, oh, I can, I can understand that and go through and you can get a lot out of this. So it's, it's one of these books where it's excellent, but forget the math. <laughs> don't even go there. <laughs> um, but there's tons of descriptions about explaining all these things, but you have to, you have to slog your way through to see those particular areas and just, you know, assess them that way. And, and the math, you know, the, the math, if you had a, somebody sitting next to you who, who understood it, could, can be explained and you go, oh, that's not, yeah. that, that's not that yeah. hard. Yeah, uh, I understand the, yeah, it's understanding calculus and what it does, like I've said before, is important. Understanding integrals, differential, what, what they're used for is important. Doing the actual handwork, forget it but uh, i've had a maple subscription for a while where i could actually just plug these things in get the numbers and if you know what you're trying to do you don't have to know any of the math you have to be careful but you can get good answers and then say oh, okay this is powerful but yeah forget doing the math by hand Ugh. so so the chat room is like racing ahead of us uh there's the link to the book on amazon uh there's a couple of more isbn numbers <laughs> different formats we got software guys here, man. We, 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 they're not going to let us go with the actually, incorrect format. Actually, one you know, um, one of the, the good things is the math is to quantify things of a principle that you're looking at. You don't need to quantify it. Just understanding the principle is all you need to have a better mental grasp of what's going on. You don't need to quantify it. Awesome. So well the, the, yeah, yeah, and and most of these things are when oh okay, I want to figure this out, and I I have an application where I need to do calculations, not just throw you know mud at the wall and see you know over and over again. I I want to do a calculation and say okay, where does this take me? Then the calculations are valuable, but you can read that whole book and never look at a lick of the math and come out immensely more knowledgeable than the average guy about tribology. Uh, extremely well put. Uh, Unix Carbide says, or the math is useful if you think the principle is wrong and want to set out to prove that. <laughs> True. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so on the topic of, of, of the two surfaces welding, just a, a, a detour here for a second. When I was uh, younger and more clueless than I am now, which, you know, I'm still clueless, uh, I put a, a 316 stainless lock nut on a 316 stainless thread on the order of three quarter of an inch diameter and started screwing it on. I, I, the design was screwed up. So I had to move it from one end of this long threaded thing to the other end of this long threaded thing. Well, halfway down that nut stopped. And by stopped, I mean forever. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't, yeah, you know, I was like, what happened? So, uh, put it aside, got another one, managed to get through this project. 
Well, I took that and I milled it and the nut and the, and the threaded shaft, both of the exact same alloy were one. I could not believe my eyeballs. That weld was better than any weld I've done since. Mm -hmm. And I'm a, I'm a believer now. So, uh, when you bring up perfect, perfect, perfect example of what we talked about of the aspherides welding. And then if that progresses and keeps going and you have a machine, a material that wants to go inherently, you, that's the perfect scenario. Yeah. And, well, and then let, let me give, go ahead. Let me give one example of how that book, uh, helped me. In, in understanding that the it, this whole thing is these little aspherides that are poking up, that are knocking into each other, you get this mental picture in your head of what's going on with lubrication. So scraping, I, when I did, uh, when I scraped my um, Harrig grinder in, um, there's things there that I even mentioned in the post, there's going to be people that think this is pure heresy. But <laughs> after scraping, um, I take 0.03, that, Keep the numbers in mind now. 0.03 micron alumina powder, super super fine abrasive, and it basically almost just dissipates instantly. So after I scrape, and I've got this scraped as good as it can be with the um, masters and all that. You don't use this as a way to cheat. You can't do that. You have to scrape it beautifully. It's got to be perfect. Then you get out the kerosene and the 0.03, and I'm talking about just enough of this stuff in the in the kerosene that it um, allows it to form a very, very light slurry, and you slide your perfect ways together. And all of a sudden, all the plateaus on there start to look like gauge blocks. I mean, literally. You get that done, you, but one of the beauties there is you can see where there's more abrasion going on than others because you get more darkening of the kerosene meaning there's more uh, material that's being removed and you say oh and you can also see that the all of the flaking that you had in the process of getting here is starting to have much more bearing area than other areas so that's then you're doing and you're micro correcting now you're going in and you're scraping and you're just lightening those areas a little bit so that with another rub okay now everything's nice and even and something that would be imperceptible with bluing, all of a sudden you can see. So now you have these two surfaces where the two contacting plateaus are like gauge block finish. And you put your oil on, and I, the Laney machine, yeah, Laney Machine Tech did this. And I actually thought he was having an orgasm when he did his slide <laughs> and, and felt the slide after that. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's um, awesome. So there, but there, that's that's an example of having that that mental picture in your arsenal and applying it to real life, and uh, having results that are spectacular. So, uh, just to clarify, after you do this process, you then take the machine apart and you clean it, and then put new oil. Well, you're doing this before you're actually you don't you don't assemble the machine, and put this in. This is like you're doing away. Okay, this is just scraping. And normally yeah. you would say, okay, I'm good. I'm gonna wait. So, and then the other thing you do there is you come back, you wipe everything off and you've got, remember, you've got very little, I'm talking about uh, just what sticks to a paintbrush, you know, a few flecks of this stuff in there, very, very light. And then you just go back with kerosene some more until you diminishes and you have no more abrasion action going. And all you have is these gauge block things glistening in your face. So, of course, we both 
we both know a few people that would wave their fist in the in the air and say this is absolute heresy heresy mind you heresy yeah. same hey, people don't like it don't use it yeah exactly by the way don't ever use this on more style scraping because now you <laughs> if you do the, both of those things and then the the trinity is you before you do any of it you stone it with your pfg stones if you do those three things it it's a it's a singularity and the entire universe will ex, will will completely destruct but i'm sorry i didn't mean to go flying off the rails if you see if you see what i did there okay all right uh let's see widget works uh says having worked in an oil field threading threading ship uh, which can conjure up no, notes of of, of a, a shaft with the thread, the, the fancy oil uh, threads on the bottom. I'm assuming that's what it means. I have seen many, I think you meant cases, ha oh, oh, gauges having to be machined out of parts because they, quote, picked up, close quote, and could never be removed, which I assume is galling, right? Mm -hmm. Uh and uh, the boss man is never happy when it happens. Okay, so back to what we started with. Thank you, Unix, for getting us back onto the highway here, out of the out of the ditch. So he says these tools back to the drawing board. So this was a little tool that Unix designed to uh, polish the end of a pin flat on a stone. So he says, so put side force on the center where to apply the forward force. Well, you're going to need to put some pusher force on it, but keep the pusher force vertical, right? So you don't want the end of the pin having any up and down constraint. You just want to have the, the, the push down in the middle of the pin and then have just sort of a, a finger that pushes that whole thing along. I think that's what... I think that's where we ended. But you're going to need two fingers because I think you're going to want both actions, right? You're going to want to push this pin fore and aft when you're burnishing, right? Am I I'm missing something? I'm picturing, I'm picturing a piece that um, has the curvature of the rod on one side, but only for the middle section of the of the um, uh, pin length, and then but continues on to the ends and hangs down over the ends to constrain the pin from sliding out of the carriage and then like you said you could put actually put just a spherical pocket very very close to the pin in the center of the bear in the center of the pin length and then just use a stick with a, a tooling ball on the end or whatever such that you could apply pressure only on that and and have uniform pressure uh that would make it bow uniformly in both directions now, Unix, a picture is worth a thousand words, but if you give, if we give up the thousand words, we we don't have enough material to get a sponsorship. So we have to keep talking about this rather than look at your Post-it note, which has the exact thing we're talking about. So yeah. the Post-it note that he just put up shows that smile, that uh, uh, a spherical surface, and then two, the two ends just to capture the pin. And I think that's, I think we were in violent agreement on that. Um, and then DBX posted a, a link to what is Heathcote slip, which is uh, re later reading if you can't sleep tonight. I'm, I'm glad somebody found out that I didn't make that up. Yeah. <laughs> Robin, you could probably make up a lot of things and we would just sit here and go, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I totally, yeah. 
Yeah, the Bram the Bramford uh, condition has to be met before you are able to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, that was awesome. I I think I think we put the ribbons on it right there. Um, uh, Unix Carbide says super rad. He has one last question. Go ahead, ask about the unified field theory. Go ahead. Here comes a question. By the way, Robin, if you need to go get a, a glass of water, a cup of tea, I'll fill in for you. For a You're good? You sure? Okay. Yep. So the ends of the pins, not dead flat, but what shape? Uh, the way they came and just deburr them so they're not dead sharp. Yeah, because yeah, really they should be. They yeah, should you be. You want them flat so that your, your um, 3D printed item doesn't want to skate off of them because the end isn't you know, perpendicular to the axis and that's so, not it. And it's so, not too big of a chamfer because you're losing your end bearing area. Evils is showing a picture of a so-called ball burnisher, but I don't, I don't think we want but, that. But that's now he's, I think he sent that for your tool to put in the pocket that I mentioned on the sled. I said, put a spherical pocket in the middle of the sled as close to the pin as possible so that when you when you're driving this you put that ball in there hold on to this thing and then you can just stroke it full length pressing down make the sides of the sled just hover above the actual rail face so that it can't tip off it can't roll over it can go flop sideways but it only goes so far and then rests on the actual flats of the rail and then this is your driving tool to push back and forth i think i think if you have a a, a pocket shaped like uh like what Unix Carbide put on his post-it note, it does all the, it does everything at once, right? It, it, it captures the pin. It has, it has the surface to only put the force in the oh, center. Oh, of the pin. I'm looking at the wrong side of that. I was picturing his, his, he's, he's, the air is on the top of that line. Um, I was picturing, yeah, yeah, that would be fine. But, but now the way he has that, if he puts a spherical, now that's a sled, and, and the width of that sled is uh, wide enough to go, go past the actual ball tracks and support on the flats on either side of the ball track, but not touching. You need to have the pin be able to be pressed down. Now that you have that sled, you put on the middle of that sled, right in the center, right over the pin, almost touching it, you put a spherical pocket that matches that dental tool. Oh, 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 oh I see what you put a dental tool in there and you use it as a non-influencing pusher that you can push-pull with that thing and you're putting pressure directly over the pin. You can't slide off because the, the sled keeps the thing from rolling off either side and, and you're good. I think I got it. So basically you could, have a, you could have a block that has that shape in it to capture the pin, but your force comes from the center. Right. So you have now a, a spherical hole in the middle and then you put your your handle in there and you go yeah. and and that's where your yeah. force comes from okay the that reason, makes sense the reason yeah the reason you're putting the the spherical pocket as close to the pin as possible it could even touch the pin if you wanted is you you're minimizing the moment loads generated by the push and pull is the further away you get from that pin vertically now you're starting that pin wants to rock and catch instead of just slide so that's why you want to keep that ball pocket that yeah perfect yeah, Unix, you getting this? Oh, uh, uh, almost. So, Unix, draw what you had before, but now uh, draw a a hole 
to access the center of the pin from what is now the bottom, but of course would in practice is the top, and that would hold the tool that will put the force downward. I think that's where we're going with this. Everybody's drawing a picture now. This is like, what? what is that game show where people draw pictures? <laughs> um, meanwhile, uh, there we go. Bob is your, so uh, the, the uncle. pin, the pin goes in the bottom. You've got this, the, uh, center support that is that middle section. The relief is so that the pin can flex up a little bit. The ends hang down in only into the ball groove. And then I'm showing a cross section and that little U there is actually a spherical pocket. But now widthwise, you make this thing uh, almost the width of the rail and with ears that when the pins down in the ears are maybe five thousandths above the actually touching the rail on either side that way this thing won't flop sideways it won't want to flop sideways and you can just push and pull on this and you're you're captive okay i think our guys got it they they just screen <clears throat> screen capped your uh, your drawing that is awesome let's all take a breath um Evil says, you're thinking a divot in the pin, some wings on it to constrain rotation. I say no. No, not, no divot. I say pin is pin. Yeah. The pin's so small compared to its length that um, you actually might want to make that plastic carrier go, even though the spherical pocket is down close to the pin, you might want to put vertical walls up that gives that plastic substantial strength to strengthen that teeny pin in making it not flex to just bear and like, you know, a 16th of an inch long section in the middle because it just bends so easily, give it some actual extra uh, structural strength by backing it up with a deeper cross section, but keep that spherical pocket way down in the center. Okay. So I'd like to acknowledge that many people consume this, uh, this content as a podcast and are only hearing audio. <laughs> and to those people, I just want to say, you don't know what you missed. Uh, so when you, if you want, go, go to YouTube, subscribe. Did I mention subscribing? Subscribe. Um, and watch, watch the YouTube video also, because there's a lot of visuals on this particular episode. Um, so let's wind this down. We have, we have homework. We have a book to read. Uh, we, we just designed a new tool. Uh, we just clarified the design of bearings, roller versus ball. We just learned that the races are not the shape we thought they were. This, there's a lot of meat here. Thank you, Robin. You're awesome. Um, I'm going to cut out a whole topic and save it for next week. Uh, the, the, the whole, the whole surface grinding tools topic will be, will be taken up next week. Um, yeah. Tuck says you may want to warn the podcast listeners at the beginning. To, <laughs> yeah. I'll do a, th I'll figure out a way to do that. We'll, we'll, or not, or they'll just, they're just stuck. What can I, what can they do? They can't escape. So <laughs> Robin, thanks for coming on. You're awesome. I appreciate yep. it. And congratulations on getting on the Discord server. That 
You get achievement that was, points for that. That was that was pretty painless. Good. We made a whole video. It was really just for yeah. you. <laughs> the whole video that, was just for you. The hardest part was the mic unmuting. I would I it wasn't working and I was missing the little teeny window that was asking if it was okay for me to allow my microphone to be accessed. So, <laughs> so we we have that. Yeah. Uh, the the uh are you on your now are you on your phone or your pc pc okay pc is way nicer i was actually worried that you were going to try to get on discord from your phone because some of the buttons are like hard to get to on the on a phone mm -hmm. so for for future reference if you come on again via discord be on your pc not on your phone because it it can get crazy and in closing uh, Silo's Garage is here. Hi, hi, guy. Nice to see you. He says, "How are those tool room spindles coming, Robin?" <laughs> they're they're a slow back burner project, but I, I will get to them. I wish I just didn't have so much real work to do. Right. People it, it, that that want uh, want to pay me to make money, so I can't do it all. Robin, we both have to retire. Why don't we just agree? You and I will 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 pick a date. <laughs> And we'll just, we'll just hang it up, uh, which I don't know how to do either. So, okay. So, uh, Robin, thank you so much. I, I appreciate you and, uh, hang, you can stick it, stick around in the discord for the after show. I'm going to wrap this up for our YouTube folks and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks again. You're awesome. Okay. So, uh, thanks for being here, everyone. Uh, this this particular PFG Live had a, a, a technical glitch, so you may or may not notice the splice we made, but hopefully it's uh, relatively uh, uh, healthy. Um, and we look forward to seeing you guys next week. We'll pick up the grinding tools topic and, uh, and have some more fun. So from Wyndham, New Hampshire, uh, everybody have a great day. Go to the shop and... Go burnish something, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks.